back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We're looking at Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And joining us again, we have Jonathan and Tabitha Carlisle, back with us from the UHF 62nd podcast and the Princess Bride Minute. Hey, guys. Hey. hey we made it back. Has, has UHF 62nd launched yet? I know yesterday, yesterday. it was on the bubble. <laughs> have we figured out? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm eager for that no, one. 24 hours, we still haven't figured out when, when it's happening. Um, <laughs> okay, I feel, like, I feel like if we could touch base every day, then oh, okay, okay. I'm looking forward to Friday. I feel like we'll have that result. <laughs> okay, excellent. <laughs> Well, we are looking at Iron Man Minute 77. On today's show, the minute starts with Iron Man going supersonic, and it ends with Abu wondering what's going on with this wartime father and son reunion. This is, So we, we see Tony uh, as Iron Man. Uh, we, we, we're pretty much done seeing uh, Robert Downey Jr. for a little while. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, CG Iron Man flying around and battling. Uh, this is we, where we get to see him hitting supersonic speeds, which is uh, pretty exciting. That's about a uh, that means he's going uh, Mach one, and that's uh, it's it's flying around uh, the other side of the world. That's a, it, from L.A. to uh, Afghanistan. It's about seven thousand six hundred forty miles. Supersonic flight is Mach one, um, and that's about seven hundred sixty-eight miles per hour. So it means he's getting there in about ten hours. Now, which maybe he can go faster in the suit. My my global know. ignorance here. Which which way would be faster if you were to fly east or west? The that's a good question. I mapped that out, and I believe the <laughs> fastest way was to actually fly uh, fly west. Okay. Okay. I just I I mean it completely makes sense. Uh, just the way our American uh, viewpoint of the map and everything that he's flying from screen left to screen right, um, you know. So that makes that makes sense that he's you know flying east to the the Middle East. But uh, but yeah, it's just curious. So yeah, so it is backwards according to the the shots. Right, but that doesn't make sense to our you know our oh, movie language that that would seem like no, he's flying right, back towards right. the beginning of the movie and we wouldn't know what to do with that. <laughs> At what point, like, is it faster to just to fly north? And just go over the oh, top of the Arctic Circle, right? Well, considering the icing issues he dealt with earlier in the film, <laughs> I, I think that right. he, we haven't solved those yet. Okay, he probably isn't going to be doing that. You know, here's the other thing that I'm just thinking about: if he does fly from LA to to Afghanistan, a lot of that flight is over the ocean. Do you think that he would do that at this point, considering this is? potentially his first long flight in the suit or, or if not the first yeah. flight period in the suit or do you think he would kind of fly up across canada and, and alaska and then over russia into yeah. afghanistan i wouldn't fly over the ocean in a suit that weighed a half a ton no absolutely <laughs> not i think you come down over russia and across you because you you know maybe there are some questions of airspace because he's flying over russia and then north korea maybe china like mongolia like these are these are not maybe not great um places to have an unidentified flying object cruising through their airspace i don't know maybe he's thinking about that maybe well and he's obviously flying low enough to not be on radars but then yeah, I would assume true. that's high enough or it, it it's still visible. Like somebody could see him flying then and go, oh, there's a. <laughs> what is that? It looks like a missile. A missile we should a... mobilize something. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, which makes me think. 
Okay, I don't want to get too many minutes ahead, but so let's just say it's interesting that nobody picked him up on their radars with him coming in, but he gets picked up yeah, going out. Right. So it's interesting. I hadn't thought about I haven't thought about him not getting, you know, anybody noticing on the way in. Well, I think there will be some additional elements that we will get to talk about right. in those minutes right. that will potentially lead to uh, or maybe we'll solve it. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh, before before we leave the skies, though, he goes he goes supersonic. And now now I, I assume that all of those different plates and all the different layers that we saw go into the suit in the last minute that something in there is I don't know what do pilots have to do when they go supersonic. Isn't there like com- compression suits and stuff to keep their blood flowing and and all that? I assume I mean, because his head is at the very beginning of that suit. I, I assume he's got to have well, something. You know, his brain that. is getting. It's like a boxer. Right. His brain is getting slammed into his skull, and he's gonna. Exactly. That's not good. Um, but that that whole suit that he was wearing in the beginning wasn't that. I mean, that looks like you know compression socks that sure. you can get in the airport duty free. <laughs> I, right? I just isn't thought that, it was like under, under armor to keep him warm or, and cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> to, uh, to wick away the moisture. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's wicking. That's right. He thought about right. wicking, <laughs> but he didn't think about this whole radar problem. <laughs> so many layers to this suit. It's very complex. I, I, I don't know what he's doing to, to help himself. This is an interesting thing uh, that I've been <laughs> finding with the suit is it's it once he's in the suit, you don't think much about the man who's inside of it. And I, I think that the filmmakers are purposefully avoiding, for the most part, the stuff that Tony would be dealing with, like what is the supersonic speed doing to his body? Once he's kind of in the armor, mm-hmm. you just kind of drop all that. You don't you don't go into it too much, which yeah, probably is smart from a filmmaking perspective. But when you're really thinking about it, it I think the science of it is probably a hundred percent illogical. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, let's not go a hundred. <laughs> that may be a little high. I still love it so much. <laughs> oh, it is so good. It is. I just want to know how much faster he goes. Because I don't think earlier when he's flying up into the sky, I don't think we could see. It was so rattly, his, uh, the HUD view that you couldn't really tell exactly how fast he was going. So I wonder mm-hmm. how fast he was flying in that moment. And if we ever do see him going like, you know, Mach 2 or something, I'm curious. We get um, in some of the other minutes, we see the inside of his, you know, the the digital mask from the inside. Yeah. And it does say how fast he's going. Right, right. Um, but yeah, this one he doesn't. Well, we know he, we know he hits supersonic here, Mach 1, because of that little puff that mm-hmm. he does in the atmosphere there mm-hmm. so that's uh that's that right there is pretty fast and then uh we wipe from that we get the uh, fantastic star wars wipe that favreau loves to employ when he's cutting back and forth from uh, the u.s to afghanistan and we end up on the outskirts of golmira and we see a jericho missile kind of split up and uh and exploding across the hill in a terribly cg looking explosion <laughs> So my question is, what exactly is going on? Yeah, are the terrorists <laughs> doing here? Because so there's a bunch of boxes of weapons out. Were they storing weapons here and they're getting rid of them and they're getting rid of the people in the process? 
Yeah, or they're and they're recruiting. Are they they're kidnapping the boys? Yeah, from the earlier news report, we hear that it, it's a little hard to hear, but you know Tony's um, watching this when he learns that the terrorists have attacked Golmira. You do hear kind of on the news in the background that they are taking the men and either recruiting them or killing them, and then they're rounding up all the women and children, and so all the people from Golmira have been fleeing into the outskirts and some of them were hiding in uh, a Russian smelting plant and or other villages nearby just trying to find places to to stay. And so I guess that's, I, I again, I don't fully know if there's a lot of logic here other than I guess it is recruitment and getting more people to help carry weapons and stuff. I, I think that they're just trying to create a generic feel of terrorists doing bad things to local people mm-hmm. sort of vibe. Well, they're terrorizing. Right. Yeah. That's what they do. And, and some of it's a little, I, I think some of it, because of the nature of what they originally shot for this scene, I think some of it might just feel a little uh, like slapped together, like they just needed to come up with something. The way that I, I heard John Favreau talking about this is all of this initial stuff when uh, we see the terrorists and we see Iron Man come over to stop them, it actually took place in the smelting plant that we saw in the news clips. But um, they filmed that with the real Iron Man suit going around defeating all the the terrorists. And according to Jon Favreau, he said it looked horrible. He said it looked like Power Rangers. And so they had to redo all of this material with a CG Iron Man. So that uh, they could make it look a lot better because they were just really disappointed. So I don't know if that's all of this stuff in the village or just the stuff later when he flies over to Golmira and gets blown up by the tank that we'll talk about in the next couple minutes. But uh, regardless, I think a lot of this is just stuff that they had to kind of throw back together in order to to kind of cut something together. Because, I mean, even here, I think a lot of these missile cases and military cases, uh, some of them look military, but some of them I can't help but feel like they look like camera cases. Like like it's a it's a Pelican they case totally that do. they stole yep. from the camera department there because they're like, we just need another case to throw into this truck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it feels like. At right right at uh, yeah, 34, you open that up. That's a, that's a light kit, baby, right there. Yep. <laughs> there stands and, <laughs> and everything's in there, right? It makes me wonder if some of these were rented and they, uh, when they returned them, they had the Stark Industries you know, <laughs> stenciled onto the side of it. <laughs> now I kind of want to see an actual like Power Rangers-esque Avengers movie. Not a movie, maybe just like one episode of a TV show or something. <laughs> just see them all meet in their diner or something and then, oh, it's time to go to work. Suit up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would I would agree in premise. <laughs> right. Maybe maybe this is as far as we need to get. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it'd be fun to fun to see if they made it that way, but not see something that just looks bad that looks like Power Rangers, but actually like right. Power Avengers. It is an interesting <laughs> concept though, right? That you know, we we spend so much time calling for, you know, more practical stuff, you know, give stop having digital things, throwing things at digital things. And yet here's an example where and I can totally imagine it, uh, a practical suit just looks bad, like just doesn't look right. believable. Um and for a movie that has spent so much time, you know, doing things practically, I think that's an that's an interesting position to be in. And honestly, I just don't even think about it when I watch the movies that uh, the Iron Man suit is not a practical suit 
<laughs> to me, you know, you just get so wrapped up into it. Like it just, it seems like it's a real, real suit of some sort, but maybe mm-hmm. that's my inner 12 year old. <laughs> Something about there the mechanics go. of it, the kind of the, just the metal nature of it. I think it lends itself well to CG creations yeah. and representing it well on screen where it looks pretty realistic for the most part. We'll talk about uh, some of that tomorrow. This minute, we don't really get a lot of it. This is more setting up the scene. We have Saeed uh, Badreya back as Abu Bakar. He's kind of the big bad here in the village uh, with his guys rounding everybody up. This is, I so I, uh, before we started recording, I was talking about the Reddit community a little bit and uh, how I think that they're tiring of me and my questions about uh, translating clips from Iron Man because I, 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 I really, I was trying. I'm like, I had these minutes. I'm like, I, I just need you guys to translate this. And they're like, there's a whole bunch of Iron Man stuff we've already translated. Do you really need more? <laughs> like, it's different stuff. It's different stuff. But um, they said there were, wasn't much. Um, most of the stuff was being repeated. Um, Abu is screaming stuff like, come on, move. What's happening? And then when they when the soldier grabs the dad, he he tells him to finish him. The little boy is saying, dad, dad, uh, stuff like that. So that's that's the bulk of what's going on. And then they also said a lot of what these other people are saying, like the family and the other terrorists, they said it just didn't sound Arabic. And the, But then I tried Urdu and they said, nope, this isn't Urdu. It's not Farsi. It's not Pashto. Uh, it's not any of these languages that we've heard before. Um, and then somebody else said, well, it sounds like Arabic. I'm like, well, I had somebody already for, tell me it wasn't Arabic. <laughs> And uh, they, uh, it was, it was pretty useless. And I think it's, it's a frustrating thing because I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that a lot of it was probably looped because uh, there's so much other stuff happening on on screen at the same time that they needed to uh, get some clean audio. And it was probably not people who actually speak the language saying these lines. So it's probably poorly accented. And unfortunately, it just doesn't help when when people who speak the language are trying to translate they just don't understand it so sadly that's where we were left with the translations for these next few minutes i'm really sad that it sounds like you're burning your bridges with the Reddit <laughs> <laughs> I know. that may be the biggest heartbreaker of this whole event no I, I think i think that's okay at least for this scene because it 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 does what they need it to do and i think it yeah. tells me what's going on without having to understand what they're saying i you know there's they they do the little tricks of this family that we're supposed to focus on. Those are the only kids we see in the entire scene, you know, so that piques right. our interest. Uh, a lot of the people mm-hmm. in the background, if there's someone in the foreground that we're supposed to be focusing on, we don't see a lot of the faces of the people in the background, like they're covering their faces or, you know, so they do a lot of the the movie tricks to get us to focus on what we're supposed to see to follow the story. Yeah, we kind of follow Abu for a bit as he's directing traffic, so to speak. And then this one family that gets uh, uh, kind of they're they're getting taken to the truck is a, a father, mother and two uh, two kids. The father gets taken. Um, the, the father is played by Anthony Martins. He's the village dad. He's also a utility stunt player, which is primarily what he's credited for. He's not credited as the dad. We have the mom, Sahar Bibion, playing the mom. And then the son is Javan Tahir, who is uh, Faran uh, Tahir's son. Faran is, of course, Raza. Oh. Uh, so it's nice to see huh. that he got his son in here to kind of pop in as the kid. And then the daughter, uh, no credit for the daughter. She is an unknown. But that's uh, that's our four family people here. 
Yeah. And, and that I didn't mention, this is all, all of this stuff in the town of Gomira and the outskirts here was all filmed at Blue, Blue Cloud Movie Ranch up in Santa Clarita, California. So is that supposed to be snow that's coming down or ash that's blowing around? It is supposed to be snow. It is supposed to be winter in Afghanistan right now. We uh, got a little hint of that uh, back when when Tony was being held at the cave. Oh, that's right. And uh, we saw we saw some some signs that it was uh, very cold outside as the guards were out there sitting around the fire. Mm-hmm. And so, it, but it's it's done in a way where you can't tell exactly. It could be ash, also. Yeah, I figured it was snow, but it's always interesting because. I don't know. I don't think of the Middle East as being cold. I always think, you know, because you think deserts. Uh, <laughs> it's so sunshiny in the shot, too. Yeah. We I, see a lot I, of sunshine in the wintertime sometimes. That's true. Where, yeah, uh, depending on where you are. Oh, I'm it's, sure. It has been blisteringly cold here in Phoenix uh, these past few days, like the polar vortex has hit. It's been down in like the 50s. <laughs> really no, cold. That's Wait, very cold. I, Blistering. I know. I know. Very <laughs> so cold. cold. <laughs> but and the sun has been out. It's been so bright, uh, cloudless skies. But it's just it's freezing outside. It's it's really the icy wind that blows through. It it, it feels like it's probably getting down into the forties. Mm. Whoa. I, oh, Whoa, Andy, I you're suffering. No, oh no bound. <laughs> I almost might. I almost might wear shorts if I come and visit you. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> As we've like dipped down into the negative twenties. Oh my jeez! <laughs> Not to diminish. Winter I know cold Maya is cold. Is I get it today, right? I, I have forgotten what that's like. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Jonathan, you mentioned this whole uh, trope we have here of the. You know, this is one of those things where you have the terrorists, uh, pretty much killing anybody. You know, they they're throwing grenades through doors. They're they're running into doorways and just shooting, blasting away at whoever is inside. This is the trope, though, of establishing the central people that we're going to connect to to make to make this part of the story work. Mm-hmm. They kill anyone and and everyone uh, with no regard until we come to this this audience surrogate, and then for whatever reason, they are are much. I don't want to say gentler, but they're more patient with getting around to the killing to allow for kind of the build that we're going to need. What do you guys think of that? How, do, how does it work here? Does it, it does it work in general in other films? I think it, it, it I think it works here because the scene is so I mean, we're talking about just this one minute like this. This whole thing introduces in this minute and then we'll talk about the resolution in the next minute and then boom that, you know, that's it. So, yeah, I, I think what is drawn out, that's when. I don't know. That's when it gets to be too much. Although I did notice, I was looking a little closely at some of the people. Uh, you know, there's there's one where like a whole family gets shoved back inside, and then the guy kicks in the door. But then he he his gun is literally aimed right at the floor as he blasts away. So I don't know. Maybe they went down in the cellar, or maybe he's just trying to intimidate them. But but uh, I just thought it was funny that even even in a cutaway shot, that they weren't necessarily actually just blasting away at everybody but uh but no i think it works i think sometimes it it gets a little bit long and it's like yeah why why is this making any difference to you know why are these people different than the other people that they have already blown away right if you stop too long to think about it you start to wonder what are the motivations of this these terrorists to be just indiscriminately you know act like that like i i just i genuinely want to know 
if if you stop to think about it, why are they doing this? What does this serve their needs? Is it just to to increase their sort of reputation as being threatening? Um, but for I, I also think that we as the audience are kind of wired to be naturally gullible about bad guys, right? It's it's so so does the trope work? Yeah, I'm I mean I'm I buy into it. I I buy into it because I need to see I need to be able to recognize these faces that that I know deep in the back of my mind we're gonna we're gonna save these faces. You know, we're gonna resolve this situation and it's gonna be something that's satisfying to me because I'm wired that way. I'm o I'm okay to deal with these some some of these archetypes of storytelling because they've worked on me for, you know, Decades. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing that I could kind of resolve was, you know, maybe that family was more cooperative in coming out when they were chasing them down. And if people ran away or they were trying to, you know, they ran into their house, they were resisting, you know, even more so than they were shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and this family was more cooperative in coming. That's the only thing I could kind of maybe pull yeah. out of that in as far as why they weren't as violent with them at the beginning but well and, and to a certain extent it, it becomes the the sophie's choice you know with these bad guys it's like you know who am i going to kill i'll kill these ones you know the goal isn't to kill everybody you know the goal is to one recruit recruit or kill the men and then throw the women and children onto these vehicles yeah. and take them somewhere who knows where so theoretically you know Maybe they're just, I mean, it seems like they're just trying to separate the guy. Like they have a whole bunch of guys standing at the wall. So maybe they're just trying to separate them to, to recruit them into their, into their, uh, their clutches, so to speak. So, so maybe he's trying to, I mean, he looks like a good worker. Maybe like, you know, he'll be a good recruit. Let's not kill him mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the way that it's scripted is actually a mother and four kids. And then what happens is, uh, one of the oldest of the kids, runs out into the alley to get his dog named Ardo. And uh, so he runs out to grab his puppy and uh, the the four four guards, it's a four-man hunter-killer team. They shout at him to drop the puppy, but he won't. They cock their guns and that's when Iron Man lands. Um, I don't know. I can see why they would write it with a boy and a puppy. It just seems extra cute, <laughs> but I think that's also why they chose... Yeah. Not to film it because yeah. I think it would have been just a little too cute. See that that kind of cutesiness. That's when I stop to notice how cute it is. Right. That's when I stopped, <laughs> and that's when it's I stop allowing myself to be played and realize that I'm being played. <laughs> no, I think this works well in just being a very chaotic scene, and yet, like Jonathan said, we know who we're supposed to focus on, but yet there's still just you know yelling, screaming, shooting, people everywhere. And um, it does. You you just get that feeling of chaos. And and I will say, at second forty two, this is the side of Saeed Badrea that I did not want to see. He was so much more like the happy grandpa earlier in the film when he's hanging out with Tony and and Yinsen at the cave, and just being all smiley. Like this is the side that I'm like all of a sudden I'm like okay, yeah, I'm scared of you now. <laughs> I, I, I I liked the grandfather side better. <laughs> This the scene at the at the end when we're we are introduced to the family and then the dad's taken away. I'll have to say it does kind of remind me of the beginning of X Men when uh, you know it shows us Magneto as a boy in the concentration yeah. camp. It's just the whole family separation and yelling and and everything's gray. I, I guess when you when you play it when it's just a few seconds, you can kind of tap tap into some of that stuff just for familiarity, so the audience knows what they're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and it, it, you know, we've been talking about this over on the uh, the Facebook group a little bit about the whole idea of fathers and sons and how it's such a thing in the MCU this relationship of of daddy issues and stuff. And so it's it is interesting that they. I mean, you know, obviously we have that in the X Men as well, uh, but here we also have this this father son like they changed it from a mother and four kids and a puppy to now it's about this father and son getting separated. I mean, I don't think that there's any logical reason that's connecting it to daddy issues in the film, but I do think it's a it's an interesting choice that they chose to go with. Yeah, that almost every time in the movie, every time you have one of these uh, heart sick situations, it's going to be about a father and a and a son. Right? That's that's going to be the heartstring they pull. Yeah, right. Well, um, do you guys have anything else for this minute? Oh, I just want to see Iron Man save the day. I hope he does. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what will happen? What will happen? Well, it's not looking good for this father and son, that's for sure. We've got uh, their reunion, but uh, but Abu seems pretty unhappy about the fact that they have reunited. So <laughs> I guess we'll see. No more happy grandpa. No more happy grandpa. Well, Jonathan, Tabitha, would you like to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, you can. Um just look for us on uhf62nd.com. That's it's actually spelled uhf62nd. Um, little play on words, and uh, hopefully you'll give it a listen. We it's where we're covering. If you're not familiar, it's, we're covering the movie UHF by uh, it's the Weird Al movie and the only movie I believe that Weird Al has ever done or really been in. He's been in other things, little cameos, but but if you're a fan of Weird Al, this is the one and only. So. Join us, look for us, anticipate us. One of one of those three. <laughs> <laughs> We're all of the above. Yeah. Outstanding. And, and uh, you can find me on Twitter, um, Tabitha Carlisle, at Tabitha T. Rex. And um, also you can find me guesting on a few different minute-by-minute podcasts. And recently I recorded with Batman at Returns, where they talk about Batman Returns one minute at a time. So by the time this episode airs, I believe those episodes will be out as well. So you can check out that podcast. Oh, do you have some good minutes for that one? Yes. Um, it was when Batman is driving the Batmobile um, through Gotham. Oh, but the penguin has control of the Batmobile, so he can't drive it down through. <laughs> so it was, oh. those are some fun minutes. Those are some fun minutes. That's a, that was an interesting film. I it is an interesting film, for sure. Tim Burton, <laughs> Batman, for sure. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know, Andy. It's just going to give you more to complain about. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that's it for today's show. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. 